Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, I'm excited about this. We are in the thick of season five, and I'm telling you, I could not be more excited about these episodes. We've talked about this before, that last season on the podcast, we really stepped back and talked about like big picture business, about the different departments of your company, and that was amazing. This season, though, we're really zooming in to you as a leader. And, and how are you focused? What are you doing to lead your teams and yourself on a regular basis? And that's really going to be the heart of today's episode. So today we're going to be talking with Kevin Obi, and he's somebody that I actually met a couple times. I met him for the first time a year and a half ago when I flew out to Kansas City to do some speaking out there, and we connected at the Midwest HPBA conference, and then we actually met a little bit later in the year as well in Seattle where there was a product showcase that was going on, and from the get-go we headed off, and he's a retailer that is just doing a lot of things right. And what we really connected on was this idea of running meetings. This is something that a lot of businesses struggle with because, you know, when things are busy and there's not that many people in your company, it can feel like, well, why do we have to have regular meetings? You know, what are we going to accomplish? Like, I'm, I'm too busy working to sit around chatting with my team. And I understand all that. But what, what me and Kevin talk about in this conversation is how, how running meetings is actually the lifeblood of your company. And if, if you want to make immediate changes in your business that pay off long-term, starting to run a cadence of meetings is absolutely one of those things. It's low-hanging fruit that really starts to build momentum over time. And it will, I mean, it'll change the way you run your business. It'll change the way that team members come to work every day. And it's also going to set your customers up for a much better experience. So for me, you know, I'm a big fan of a, of a few different kinds of meetings. We're going to get into this in the conversation. I'm a huge fan of regular sales meetings, like focused on sales. We're, 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 we're really diving into where are our numbers at? What are we doing to win customers over? How are we planning out our weeks? What's the newest sales promotion? Like that's got to happen on a regular basis. I'm a big fan of installation meetings as well, like meeting with your installers to talk through jobs that had urgent incompletes that need to get done, talking with your installers about difficult things that are coming up. I'm also a big fan of meetings that involve sales, installation, and then whoever it is that's going to go out to preview a job. I mean, these are ways to build continuity inside of your company, and if you're in a business that that doesn't have meetings, it's really hard for a message to get across. And I think that there's sometimes a lot of frustration with business owners that feel like, you know, no one listens to me. I, I keep saying this stuff to my team, but but no one does anything about it. They don't they don't pay attention. They don't listen. Well, it's probably because there's not a, a system of meetings to to keep repeating it over and over. Grant Falcon always says that a leader is a repeater. Andy Stanley says that vision leaks. So you always have to refill it. Running a cadence of meetings will do that for you. So in today's episode, we're going to get super practical and we're going to jump into what are the kinds of meetings that you should be running? How do you do it? And, and what do you do if you feel like you don't have time? Where is it that you start? So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation. I'll step back so you can take a listen to it and then I'll come back at the end as always and give you a few parting thoughts. 
Joining me from Rockford, Illinois, is the general manager of fireplaces and lighting at Benson Stone. I'm joined today by Kevin Obi. Kevin, how you doing? Doing very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Hey, thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to connect. We've actually met just we met a couple times. We met we met out in Kansas City and then we met again in Seattle, right? Right, exactly. Yep. Cool. Well, I'm excited to jump into this. And for people that aren't familiar with you, can you tell us just a little bit about kind of the business that you run and, and, and how you ended up where you are? Definitely. I kind of right out of high school, family friends of mine owned a company. I needed a job. So I got a summer job at a stone company, <laughs> you know, moving stone, limestone in a shop, you know, kind of just whatever I need to do, pulling weeds out in the yard, loading up customers and landscaping and so on. Then went to college and then came back for the next summer to kind of help out my summer job again. And one of the departments in the company was really small back then, like 10, 12 people in the company was the fireplace department that just started, I think it was in 1980, 80, 81, 82, right in that area anyway. I mean, this was in 84, 85 when I started. So ended up helping Steve Benson in the fireplace end of things. We kind of clicked and, you know, went from kind of a really kind of small little uh, shop. We ended up, they ended up, I should say, you know, the Bensons start building another uh, building out of the main drag in town. We were kind of down in the industrial area before. And then, you know, the fireplaces kind of took off with stoves and fireplaces. We got into a little patio furniture for, for a spell there as well for the off season. And then bought a huge building, big four-story building, bought that, ended up selling our old store. And then moved into that place, had all kinds of room to kind of expand. So we ended up into opening lots of other departments, flooring, furniture, I like to mention lighting and and so on. So it's turned into be a pretty large company now. I heard, I heard it's like a landmark building, right? I mean, it's gigantic, isn't it? It is. I think it's totally, it's about 155,000 square feet. It was built in 1885 by Rockford Standard Furniture and just, you know, tons of space, more space than we needed, but actually we're using all of the space and our furniture floor is a full entire block long. It's four stories and we've got a, a full block long on the furniture. And then the third floor is also a half of that or a little more than half. Of that's all furniture as well. So it's turned out to be a pretty, pretty cool landmark kind of destination location type of thing. Well, wow, that's awesome. And you know, when we connected, I guess we, we talked in Seattle, we were up there for an event with Enviro Fireplaces and Louis Falco was connecting us and he was saying, you know, Tim, you got to meet this guy. He runs just a great business. And it turned out that we'd already briefly met in Kansas City earlier, but I've, I've appreciated my conversations with you just how you're really trying to think about the business holistically and you're trying to think about how do we set things up to where we can solve problems permanently and not always be in a position where we're making diving catches left and right. And one of the big things we've been talking about is having meetings. And when I think it was it was Nathan from Mendota that that connected us for this podcast here, he said that of a lot of the dealers that he has, you're one that just does an amazing job keeping things going with a cadence of meetings. I just want to hear about why has that been so important to you and, and what's your cadence of meetings look like on a regular basis? Yeah. I mean it's it's something that I think is vital just kind of started doing it back, I don't know, probably 25 years ago. I was constantly like, okay, trying to catch up with one of my sales guys or catch up with one of the installers and kind of go, hey, there's this issue here. Don't do this again. Or here's something with this product that needs to be, that you need to be aware of. And then, you know, just constantly trying to catch up with everybody. And it just kind of made sense for me. We should have one time a week where we all meet together. And now I'm only having to talk to everybody or say this one time. Yeah. And not miss anybody. And then we can all kind of brainstorm and kind of come up with what 
you know, I mean, we do tons of different things in our meetings, but come up with, you know, how to solve this problem. Let's not do this again. You know, let's do it this way. It's a better way to do things. This is how we interact with customers. This is how we talk in the showroom floor, you know, and we ended up, we, uh, as far as the cadence goes, it kind of made sense to do it weekly. That way it's, it was just consistent. We did it for a while where it was like every other week. And then it was like, you couldn't remember if it was this week or next week because you couldn't remember what happened last week, you know? So it just made more sense to do it every week. That's so good. I I think that meetings are just like the lifeblood of being able to make serious change. You know, I think that there's a lot of companies that do good work, but they do good work because stuff is, when it goes wrong, like the leader stops what they're doing, they jump on the grenade, they run the parts out to the job site or, you know, there's always, it always makes someone's life miserable. And I think that having a cadence of meetings, it keeps everybody on track and it, it allows you to actually solve problems versus just have to make these, you know, like I said before, these diving catches that stuff is always going crazy. You're always pulling your hair out. And I think for businesses that every single year, I mean, come September, November, it's always crazy. But with a cadence of meetings, it gets a lot less crazy because as a company, you're holistically solving your problems before they happen. And I think that a lot of companies need to be taking advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know what we would do if we didn't have our meetings in a sense. I mean, it's, and you know, we'd be talking about something. It's like, great, we'll put that down. Put that down in your notes. We'll talk about it in the meeting. What I always encourage all the salespeople to do and our installers is to, as you think of things, you're not going to remember by the time you get in the meeting. You think you will, but like, wait, I knew there was something I wanted to talk about. Write it down. I actually have a notebook that I keep right in my desk drawer, pull that thing out constantly. It's like, okay. Jot down a note. This is what we need to cover in the meeting. This one, perfect. Put it away. Then I don't have to worry about trying to remember what it is or trying to remember the exact, okay, it was this job at the Jones job. This happened, whatever. I write that down and make sure we cover it in the meeting. That's so good. And you said it was 25 years ago that you had this realization. What was it that made you just decide to start doing this that long ago? Yeah, it was that I was constantly like, okay, I'm I'm, like, I was saying, I'm telling these people that this needs to happen. And then I'm like, wait, didn't I tell you this before? And it's like, no, I must have told the other guy. And it's just like, I needed something to just kind of give me that foundation where, okay, we can always go back to that moment in time and say, you know what, last Friday, remember we talked about this and then we can repeat it the next week. Okay. So we weren't having the same problems. There were so many times when I would, I'd tell somebody something and be like, okay, you can't do this. This is happening. I'd be saying the same things over and over and over again. It's like, seriously, guys, it's not that hard. Just do it. But in the meeting time, we were able to actually, with everybody present, everybody there, kind of critique each other and hold each other accountable. I saw rapid change, just like, oh my goodness, they're all of a sudden taking seriously what I'm saying. And we're all kind of getting on the same page. It was just like eye-opening. I was like, man, we got to keep doing this. This is really, really important. That's amazing. Yeah. For me, when I was managing retail stores, we, we had a few meetings that we'd run. So I was over the sales division. So I wasn't over installation or service or anything, but we needed to work very closely with those departments. So what we had for our cadence was basically every single week, we'd have the sales team meet with the installers and the sales team would bring up pictures and proposals of the stuff that they were in the middle of quoting and saying, hey, this is coming up. What should we be looking for? You know, How should we price this out? And the installers could say, oh, that roof is going to be tricky. Watch out for this. And then the installers would be giving feedback of past jobs that had happened that week saying, hey, this one went really well. Next time that you quote this out, here's a problem that we ran into that if you would have caught this beforehand, we would have been able to fix it. That meeting between salespeople and installers was so important for 
smoothing out the relationship because there can be tension sometimes between the sales team and installers but it was like we had the sales team bringing things up on the front end before it was sold we had the installers on the back end saying hey do this differently next time or great job on this we love jobs like this that made things go so smoothly and then i'd run i'd run an every other week sales meeting with the team where it was really specific to sale we can, we can dive into all that separately but that cadence of meetings it it absolutely transformed the way that we ran our showrooms in Portland. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It is so important. It is. I, we kind of do the same thing. You know, we do actually have a installation meeting on Friday morning early, you know, first thing, and then we bring in the sales guys. So there's like a joint meeting, which is awesome. We just started doing that here in the past year. I didn't, didn't do that before we had both teams together. It's like, it just kind of hit me in this past year. It's like, man, it's, we're talking to the installers. We're talking to the salespeople. The install guys come back from a job or a measure. They try to catch the salesperson. They're with a customer. You can't find them. They got to get back out to the next job or they got to you know, leave for the day, whatever, because they started at seven. And we kept missing each other. And it's like, man, we really need to be a team here. We're not really a team if we're not meeting together as a team. You know, We're kind of disjointed. So yeah, that really, really helped when we did that joint meeting. And then after that, we finished up with the sales meeting. That's terrific. Can you break down like what, what's a typical sales meeting look like for you? Yeah. So like kind of what I was just saying in the morning, we have the, the install guys come in. And so what we go over is we have our calendar and we go over the jobs. And this is something, again, that we just started recently going over, kind of holding them accountable. You know, we talk about jobs and so on, but it's like, you know, are, are, you, are you filling out your paperwork completely? Why aren't you filling out your paperwork? Why is it so hard to get installers to actually write something down? You know, it's like, I don't know if it's that way for everybody out there, but it's like, man, they do a great job with our hands. They just don't write very well. You know, it's kind of a joke. For sure. Like seriously, write it out in full sentences would be helpful too. You know, yeah. this is funny. But anyway, we go over the previous week's jobs. And you, we go one by one. We pull it up on the calendar. This job, okay, it was, you know, Dale, you were out on this one. How did that one go? Anything you didn't want to share? Oh, everything was perfect. Or no, I ran into this. When you, hey guys, the other install guys or service guys, hey, when you run into this next time, you know, this is what I ran into. We can learn from what he, you know, what he experienced out there. And then we go on the next job. Okay, it's a full install. It was a two-day job where we did the plumbing, you know, the gas, the electric, the framing, you know, the chimney, the stone, everything on it was up over that. How did that work? Is there somewhere we could do it better? And you know, one thing I've always said, and this goes way back to when I kind of first started in this, I've always said all to my all salespeople and all, you know, whatever this, the job is, you know, or the encounter with a customer, if something went well, write it down, remember it and repeat it. You know, man, I had great experience with this customer. This went really well. Write it down and do that again. And then let's share it with everybody else. If something didn't go well, you know, there was a mistake, you know, somehow something happened, write that down, put it down and let's make sure we don't make those same mistakes again. So many people don't make steps to try to, they just hope they're not going to repeat the mistakes again, but they don't actually plan and figure out how to not repeat those mistakes in a sense. So that's what we kind of do in the meeting, go over the jobs, what didn't work. Okay, let's make sure we make these changes. Okay, we're going to install a new policy then right here now, because this has happened too many times. We need to put a new policy in place. So, and then once we're done with that last week's, then we go to next week's. Okay, what's coming up? What do we need to go over? You know, as everybody else said, Tim, are you comfortable with this job? Fred, are you going to be okay on that one? This makes sense. You know what you're doing. Okay, this is going to be installed this way. You know, and then when the sales guys get there, we can they can kind of go over each job and just kind of reiterate that too. Because we have systems in place where it's in writing. It has to be communicated. Communication, communication, communication. I mean, it's like you can't communicate enough. You know, from what the customer said to the salesperson has to end up all the way to the installer when he's out there at the house. How does that happen? 
Well, you can't just rely on somebody verbalizing it. It's got to be written. It's got to be drawn. We have sheets, you know, that, you know, the check sheets, everything else all kind of in place. And I, what I love too, is having actually drawing, I'll, I'll sketch something out or whatever and say, here's what it's going to look like. Customer, do you like this? Yes. Okay. Here, Dale, here's what it's going to look like out there. Build it to this, you know, to these specs. So that's really, really helped going over those in the meeting. So that's the install part of it. Why don't you jump in and pivot to the sales end? What's that? What, what's a sales meeting look like for you? Okay, sure. Yeah, that one, because we've done that longer and it kind of changes and it's different each time. I don't have like, okay, we're going to cover one, two, three, four, five topics type of thing. It's it's kind of what's what's pertinent for today. What do we really do for this week, I should say, or going into next week? What are there changes on the showroom that need to be done? And what products are we doing well with? You know, what are we go over actually how much have we sold the past month? in you know different products i've got a report we bring out once a month we look at those kind of look at the sales numbers for the guys you know that's that's part of it as well but one thing that i found that's really important that's really helped is we go over everybody's open orders so we actually have in our program computer i should say a sheet that i get as the manager for the fireplace department i can print out open orders for all the sales staff and we in front of everybody i found that it's it's actually kind of helpful to do it all together you know, you hate wasting your time with one person's orders, but at the same time, you know, some other, somebody might've been working with that customer too, or they have some input on it. It's like, where are we on this job? If you, is everything ordered? Is everything here ready for the job? Why is it so long? Is, are we waiting to go back and finish up something? Oh, it's just the fire up we need to go back and do. Okay. Well, let's get that in the schedule. Why hasn't that been in there? And then we have another list for all of those things that are coming as well. And then we go over open quotes. You know, how are you calling back everybody, you know, within 24 hours? Are you, you know, responding then again after that? What is the reason that they didn't go buy from us? You know, there's a sale at the other store in town and they've been giving 20% off and everything. Oh, great. We need to know that. Maybe we need to adjust something here and make sure we're, you know, competitive with them. That's good to know. So just kind of making sure as well, they're following up on their quotes. And then if there's collections, things that need to be done with collections, we do that then. That's Friday is the only day we have everybody, the whole staff in the store. Every other day of the week, there's somebody is their day off, which makes it tricky to, to do training. So we do that as well. And then we go over reviews. We go over the reviews. So a while back, this is kind of before Google reviews became really popular on the internet, that type of yeah. thing is we did. Actually, we would send out to anybody who purchased $500 or more, we would send out a survey. It was a Benson Stone survey. And, you know, what was your experience with your salesperson? What, what you know, did the store hours meet your needs? You know, da, da, da. you know, there's like 10 questions they'd answer, you know, takes them maybe five minutes. And then how would you rate your overall experience? And so we get those, we go over in front of everybody. Great job. You guys look at these. You get, you know, 15 awesome reviews. Everybody says you're the best. And, you know, and then this one said you didn't call back. Well, yeah, we got to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. It's nice to be able to praise the other people, you know, the sales staff and the installers in front of everybody else versus just telling them sometime when you, you know, when you're walking by their desk, hey, great job on that thing. It's nice to give them recognition and praise in front of everybody too. So that's terrific. When when I was running sales meetings, we had a similar cadence where what, what we do, we kind of had four basic agenda pieces and, and that just provided a framework. It didn't make it super robotic, but the first part of the meeting was going over the scoreboard. So we had a scoreboard with you know basic metrics that we track. We'd have everybody's sales goals out there individually so that we could see how the team was doing, but we could also see individually who was contributing the most to their goals. We'd have our, our quote percentage, like if customers that come in the door, what percentage of them are getting an estimate or we're getting an in-home visit written up for them. We'd have 
follow-ups, like how many follow-ups had each team member done that week. And we, did, we have it tracked individually so we could see, hey, this team member did you know 80. Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. This team member did three. That's not good. And then we would just, and we had a, we had a weekly game plan exercise that we do about the way that they structure their weeks. So we look at the scoreboard and then everybody has to talk about their performance. So because it's all individually laid out for everybody to see, and it wasn't like, you know, a super, like I didn't get out the whip very often, but it was pretty obvious if somebody was struggling, they could just own it and say, yeah, this week I struggled. This is why. And maybe I would say to someone that was excelling, well, hey, you did really good this week. Like what, what did you do that was unique that helped you knock out all those follow-up calls, you know? So we'd use it like as an accountability time, but also as just a way to, to brainstorm performance. After that, we would get into like, I called it roadblocks. And like, this could be called complaining, but basically like, what are the roadblocks that they're running into that are stopping them from making more sales? And there's always stuff. So like for me as a leader, I'm making a list of like, oh man, okay, so they're running into this issue when we go to purchase this product. Okay, I got to call our vendor. I got to talk to the person I'm purchasing and, and get this figured out. We're running into a paperwork issue where because we're trying to collect a signature at this point instead of this point, it's slowing down the process to get something installed. You know, but they could bring up roadblocks, and I told them like there were, nothing was off limits. Like they could anything they wanted, even if it was my performance. If it was like we're just, these are we just need to eliminate roadblocks that are that are stopping you from selling more. And then as a leader, it's my job to go out and get those things removed. And then the last thing we do would be live sales practice. We take forty five minutes, and and I would sometimes even like write up ten different customer scenarios, put them all in a bag, and everybody would have to pick one and they were the customer and that was their situation and so we'd we'd come in we do a live sales practice based on that situation and at different points in our sales process we'd stop and everybody would give feedback and critique on what worked on what didn't work and you know the whole meeting we did it every other week is the whole thing it probably took about two hours to do to do it all but for us that was really helpful to keep salespeople focused and like you said going over the reviews sales is about confidence it really is and so if you have a cadence like what you're talking about with regular training of reps coming in they see their numbers they see their wins they're seeing reviews of customers are saying hey you're doing a really good job that keeps the salesperson's confidence high when they're jumping on grenades and putting out fires all day long their confidence is not high and they stop being effective salespeople. yeah exactly We'll get back to our conversation with Kevin Obi in just one second. Hey, if you're a sales leader in our industry and you're taking a look at the other people in your company and you had to guess, what percentage of the time do they write up customers for estimates when they come into the showroom? You know, you might think like, oh, it's, it's probably most of the time someone comes in looking for a gas insert or a wood stove. And yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe 50, 60, 70% of the time we, we write them up an estimate. I, I'm going to guess that it's actually less than 20. And and that sounds crazy, but as I've worked with businesses and done secret shopping all over the country, that just is the reality. Recently, I was in a, a market doing some consulting work with, with some companies out there. And so I went and secret shopped pretty much the entire market. It was like seven different hearth retailers and not one of them even offered to write me up an estimate for a fireplace. And unfortunately, this is common to all of our businesses. And and the reason why is that estimates are hard to write up, right? I mean, if a customer's in there, you talk to them for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you got people that are waiting in line, it's easy to just take the simple route and say, oh, you know what, I'll you measure it up and, and give me a call and then we'll put together an estimate for you. Well, that's the wrong answer. That's a terrible customer experience. We need to give customers estimates every single time they're in the showroom and 
if you're not using it yet, you need to take advantage of Wi-Fi to do that. Now, Wi-Fi is a sales system that is here to help your team ask the right questions to their customers, show them fireplaces that will actually work in their space, and then instantly provide a customized estimate for their project. All of the pricing is 100% customizable. We have over 20 manufacturers loaded into Wi-Fi that you can use in your business, and we're putting more and more in every single day. So if you want to eliminate the hassle of writing up estimates and leaking dollars from customers who are walking out of the showroom and buying online or buying from your competitors because you're not writing them up an estimate, you need to go to wifire.com and check it out. The way that you spell that website is W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com. That's W-H-Y-F-I-R-E.com. So I'll pivot here. So we've, we've each talked about, you know, kind of a basic cadence of our meetings. Why has this been so important? I mean, so you mentioned that this keeps everybody on the same page, but now that you've done this, could you ever imagine running a business without meetings? No, not at all. It's it's something that, you know, just seeing how important it is and changes that have been able to make. What's nice too, is if there's something that, like we've said before, that, you know, it's not going well, it's not going right. You can actually address it and have immediate change you're not trying to work out the issues that are going on over and over again and having the same issue, plus positivity of it too. I, I think the salespeople really like it because again, they get, they like you said, the scoreboards where you're kind of critiquing them, but you're throwing that positive in there saying, hey, great job. This is going really well. And the other guys kind of feed off of that as well. And it just kind of keeps the morale stronger. You know how it is. You've done this long enough too. You see people kind of stuck in a funk or whatever you want to call it. They're just not doing well. They've had a couple of bad experiences you know, a couple of customers that kind of reamed them out because they, you know, whatever it might be. Kind of like you said, getting in a group meeting again, and that just really helps. It's something, you know, my background, I didn't say this earlier, but my background besides in the business is on the side, my other, my other life. I was a coach for, I just retired here, coach for 29 years. No way. And yeah. And it just didn't, you know, I was involved in athletics. I take that experience because that's kind of part of who I am as well. I just, I love training. I love teaching. I love learning and knowing things and then inputting that into other people. And obviously in a meeting is a perfect chance to do that. But I learned from coaching that, man, if you don't meet together, I mean, especially for the team to perform well, you know, if we use the, you know, athletic analogy is that, I mean, you're not going to, if you don't, you got to have a goal. Okay. How are we going to get to the goal? Here's the steps we need to take. We have to practice, you know, we have to get together. And I kind of think of the meeting as the practice time, not that we're practicing anything, but that's when we're getting together and figuring out and talking about where are we going? What direction are we going in this? How can we improve? How can we get better? How can we sell more? How can everybody make more money? You know, even though these are individual salespeople, we work as a team. It is a group effort. Everybody it has to be on the same page, doing the same thing, saying the same things on the showroom to the customers. So everybody feels better, does better. You can address something kind of at one time instead of having to constantly address things. And as a leader, it just, it makes it obviously a lot easier. You're not constantly just putting out fires and dealing with issues and problems, which is, you know, seems like it makes up most of your day sometimes. And if you're not covering these things. Well, the sports analogy is terrific. I, I have an athletic background and I'm mostly a basketball player. And I'm just imagining that when you're on the basketball court, there is a difference between when you're on the court trying to play defense, you're on offense, bringing the ball up and you need someone to do something. What do you do? Well, you scream and you yell at this person, you know, Hey, set this pit, go over here. But you're trying to you know, stop the defender from taking the ball from you. You're thinking about driving. So all you could do is just yell in like these quick bursts. 
And there's a little bit of effectiveness that's there. You, if you yell loud enough, you might be able to get somebody to do something quickly, but it, you're not going to make lasting change. There's a difference between calling a timeout, right. going out to the sidelines and saying, we're going to run a play. And, and it's the exact same thing with the, with the yeah. business. That's a terrific analogy. So I'll ask you, I'll ask you this. We're, we're talking about this cadence of meetings. I know people listening are going to think about, I could never do this in my company. Do you get resistance with meetings? Yeah, I mean, I do. There's always a few people that just really don't like meetings at all. But most people are like, man, I don't have time. I've got to call this customer back. I've got all this stuff I need to do. I don't have time to stop. And there's some people just really don't like, I don't know, they don't maybe just don't like being in the meeting. You know, I've had that over the years. What I found is the more we do them and the more regularly, like we're talking about doing them every week, it takes a little bit of time normally, but usually that resistance goes away because they all see how the positive changes and how it actually helps them individually do their job better and become a better team member that everybody else is enjoying working with and so on as well. So it really is kind of the glue that kind of holds the business together in a sense. If we don't have that meeting, things kind of start falling apart really, really quickly. That glue, you know, meeting is kind of the glue that kind of holds everything together, keeps everybody accountable. Most of them don't like getting up extra early and coming to the meeting early. That's about the biggest resistance they have is, oh, I can't sleep in this morning. I, I got to get in there an hour earlier than normal. Yeah, that's that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I don't think resistance ever goes away. I mean, I, I would still get it, like even after a cadence of meetings for years. And I think that that's okay. I think I think it tells you a lot. Like, I mean, I'm just going to go back to the sports analogy. Imagine that you have a football team and you have a player that doesn't want to be part of the huddle. Well, that tells you something about that player long term. I mean, it really does. But a couple of things with when it comes to resistance is that if you have a team member that's truly resisting, you know, they're probably going to be limited in their growth in your company. I mean, maybe they're a great worker and you can manage you can manage the fact that like, okay, so they don't like meetings, but they're still going to come, but they're going to be limited in what they can do because this is a part of our culture and who we are. But I found when it comes to resistance, there's a few things that, that really, really help. One of them is buying coffee and donuts. You know, spending 15 to 30 bucks on coffee and donuts goes so far for the meetings. And next up is if you're a leader and you're starting this out, you know, go buy $100 worth of $5 Starbucks cards or go get $100 worth of $5 bills and roll them up and like put them in a rubber band in your pocket and start giving them away for different things in front of everybody. And you will find that there is instant, there's instant engagement in those meetings. And maybe, maybe it's an installation meeting and one of your crews got a great review. Give them each five bucks or 10 bucks in front of everybody. That sort of thing really starts to make the meetings worthwhile. And another one is come into meetings with an agenda. I think that that some of the fear about meetings is like, well, I don't know what I would say. I I'm going to look stupid. Well, you only look stupid if you if you literally come in with no plan. I mean, if you if you come in even just have like four bullet points of like I want to try doing this, this and this. And maybe you don't even get to everything, but just having something to try and frame the meeting, I think that all those things will 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 make resistance largely go away. Yeah, exactly. There's so many times that I'm so busy during the week that it's really hard to me to kind of plan what's going to happen in the meeting because there's just so much going on. I just, there's, I mean, what are we going to cover in the meeting? I've, you know, I've jotted a few notes down here and there, but it's definitely not enough to cover in a sense. But having, like you said, those kind of main bullet points down, okay, these are things we cover, like I was saying about the orders, going over their orders, their yeah. quotes, those are kind of the constants. And what I found is it really does lead into so many other things. And then we end up filling that whole time anyway. It's it, it's always productive. Yeah, I, I'm with you. 
what would you say to the owner or manager listening to this who, quote unquote, doesn't have time for meetings? They're too busy. They, they, they just don't have time to do this. Right. Well, first off, none of us have time to do it. <laughs> if we really think about it, kind of look at it. I got this customer I got to call back. I've got to do this. I've got to put this fire out. You know, it's just there's it's one of those things that I've had to just train myself to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on. We are going to stop for a moment and do this, this moment, meaning that, you know, maybe one hour meeting time during the week, because it's too important. There's too many things that go on. It's kind of like you have, what I always said is it's always really nice to go to the trade shows. You know, I've gone to a bunch of trade shows over the years from, I think 30 now at this point. And every time I go, it's like, man, I just get rejuvenated again. I'm pulling myself in a sense away from the business, out of the hustle and bustle and the, you know, the, the polls every second you're yeah. getting pulled somewhere. And you can kind of actually get back and kind of get out of it and kind of think about, okay, what's going to happen? You know, you talk to other people, you brainstorm, you go to seminars, which are awesome. You see the products, you can make, you know, some decisions where you're trying to take care of other problems. You can actually make some lasting decisions. The meeting is kind of that for the business as well, um, where we're kind of pulling back. We're not letting anything else interfere with what we're doing for that hour and we can kind of plan the business. And if you don't do that, I feel you're just constantly going to be spending 10 times more time doing things that if you would just spend that one hour a week. So in other words, kind of answer the question, you need to make the time, whether you had the time or not, you won't have the time, just make it because it's going to save you so much time in the future because you're covering things now that you're not going to have to be covering 10 times later type of thing. So yeah, you know, it's so funny. <laughs> this idea of I don't have time. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves is whenever I hear the words, I don't have time, like it drives me insane. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, we have time for the things that we want to make time for. And I think that the lie is that, oh, I'm so busy, I'm doing all these important things, I could never, you know, I'm so important, I could never stop what I'm doing for 30 minutes for this meeting. Like, get out of here, man. Like, how are you so arrogant that you think you're running at 100% efficiency at all times? So if you give up 30 minutes, like, there's no one that could do what you were doing. Like, get out of here. That doesn't exist. You know, like, I feel like I'm a pretty productive person, but I still find, I still find ways to waste an hour or two, like... So no one's running at 100% efficiency where they truly can't give up that time. But just like you said, doing this is going to it's going to change the way that they run their company because when they say, I don't have time, what they're saying is, I'm choosing to spend my time on something ineffective. That's what they're saying. And what they need to be doing is saying, we're going to take 30 minutes and temporarily there might be a customer that doesn't get called back. So, so what? They get called back 30 minutes later or an hour later. But in this meeting for 30 minutes or an hour, we are going to plant seeds that are a time machine for me three weeks from now. And I think that that's the big difference is that just like you said, planting these seeds right now, it reaps such a harvest later. This is a quick story. I think I've told it before on the podcast, but there was one day I was, I was managing stores in Portland and Seattle and I was driving home from Seattle and there was an issue that had come up in our Portland market, and I was so frustrated because I was like, man, this always comes up. How have we not dealt with it? It was just a customer service issue. So I called up my friend Grant. He's been on the show a million times, and I'm, I'm just kind of venting to him and just saying, man, I'm so frustrated. Like, how does this keep happening? And he goes, well, didn't you catch that in your urgent and complete meeting? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, an urgent and complete meeting. Anytime there's a job that was supposed to have been completed, and for any reason it wasn't, 
It goes on a list and every single week you need to meet with your sales team, your installers and your support staff to go through every job on the urgent and complete list, diagnose why it happened and assign who's responsible for it. And the goal is that it never shows back up on the list the next week. And for me, that changed everything. And, and so, okay, it was an extra hour out of my week. But you know what? In the given course of a week, I'll waste an hour anyway. Like I may as well throw it at something that's going to be effective. So we started doing that and it was a time machine. Like it started it started buying me time back because we had a way to solve these problems versus just getting punched left and right as it came up without any awareness of it. So I've been there saying, oh, do I like... There's so many times where I'd wake up early, I'd be driving into the office thinking, man, I'm tired. Like, I don't want to go to this meeting. What am I going to say? And every single time afterwards, I I come out of it thinking, I am so glad that we have these meetings. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Well, I, I think that one of the things that's tough is that many owners and managers in our industry, I think that there's a lie that if I'm sitting around eating donuts and having coffee talking during a meeting... It means I'm not working hard. You know, what would you say to the person that's like just a nose to the grindstone person and, and, and they're, they're too busy working hard in their business to stop and get above it? What would, what would be maybe a word of encouragement you'd give them? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good point because I was actually that person for quite a while and I kind of fall back into that sometimes too. Is like, if I'm not working, if I'm not doing something, I'm a pretty, some people say very energetic person. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've got to be doing something or I feel like I'm not productive. What I found for myself is in those times where I do slow down, I kind of take a moment, I mean, kind of collect my thoughts and kind of figure out what's going on, like in the meetings or even preparing for a meeting. It's like, okay, it's Thursday. Oh man, I've got to spend a little bit of time here, make sure I've got things ready for the meeting tomorrow. It just helps me kind of catch my breath again, in a sense, and kind of re-energizes me to make sure I'm leading the way I should and kind of catching the things that need to get caught and taken care of and addressed because it's easy to get caught up in that working hard. You're just constantly going, you can't not do the work because obviously we have to, but to do it more effectively, you need to sit back, take a moment, breathe, plan, and then input into your people, your team, your staff to make them the best that they can possibly be as well. That's kind of, I kind of feel that as a coach, that's what I always say to my players. My job is here is to push you guys to get out of you more than what you can get out of yourself. Sure. In a sense, that's something always in coaching. I learned that being on the, on the field. I was a soccer player. So man, 90 minutes of running. I mean, it's, you find you have to push yourself. Your brain's telling you, you can't run anymore. You can't do this, but you got to push yourself. You know, in, in, in the training and doing the sprints and things like that, I would be like, you know, I would not push myself as hard as I'm, pushing myself right now, if there weren't other team members around me doing the same thing and the coach not yelling at me, I would not be pushing myself this hard, which means I'm not going to grow or get as strong as I possibly can be if I'm not pushed. So I kind of take that analogy or that, that kind of thought process that I'm the coach, I'm helping them. My job is to make them better, is to make them the best salespeople, the best staff, the best, you know, whatever they can be. And human nature just naturally will kind of revert back to, okay, I'm not going to do any more than I really have to, <laughs> um, which is not necessarily lazy, but it's just kind of just normal. There are some few people that just constantly push themselves, but most normal people, you know, it takes somebody to kind of push them. I'm pushed. I'm going to do a lot more, or they're going to do a lot more if they're pushed as well, or, or instructed or reinforced with positive, just all those things. I don't want to say just push, but it's going to help you to achieve what you're wanting to achieve. You know, that type of thing. So. Sure. 
Yeah, it, it reminds me of a quote from Jim Collins where he says that leadership is 1% vision and 99% alignment. And this this rhythm of meetings, that, that is how you keep people aligned. Exactly. A while ago, I was talking with Tim Rethlake from HHT, and it was when I was making the transition from salesperson to manager slash leader of this division, the company. And he was saying how hard it is to make that change. It's so hard to take your best salesperson and convert them into a manager because it's two totally different skill sets. And he said that, you know, when you're a salesperson, your job is to shine. But when you become the leader, your job is to illuminate. And it's it's really difficult to do. Yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. So as we round out here, I'd like to ask you, what do you think is the biggest challenge that's facing leaders in our industry today? That's a great question. And it's, you know, it's going to vary from business to business. But I think one thing that I've kind of noticed just talking to other people in the industry, employees, getting them to follow procedures, follow, you know, kind of do what they're supposed to be doing. You know, it's like, seriously, we've covered this 10 times. Why are you doing the same thing again that, you know, didn't work well? Now we get a customer that's upset because you didn't follow through. I think it's kind of goes back to what I was saying, where people just human nature kind of revert back to doing as little as possible to make it to, you know, to get by. Not that I feel that everybody does that, but it's just kind of the way just naturally we, we are. But it's finding good employees, I kind of to break it down, employees that are going to listen, follow, push themselves, you know, that type of thing. There's, it's impossible, I think, because I've, well, boy, I've had over the years, lots and lots of different sales people. And some of them have been great. Some of them haven't been. Some of them are self-starters. Some of them, a lot of them aren't. Either way, kind of back to what we were talking about, being able to kind of just help guide them and lead them. And like we're talking about the structure of the meeting, go over things and all has really helped them feel better about themselves as well and see that they can really achieve these things. Nobody wants to make mistakes. Nobody wants to not call a customer back. I mean, nobody really wants to be in that position, obviously. But what are some tools that they can gain by either from other people, other salespeople's experience or from things that I can cover with them from my experience that can make them better so they are following through better and they kind of have that accountability at the week knowing that, hey, we're going to cover these things. So I better step up and make sure I have, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But it's still a struggle. I mean, you talk about on the installation side, we talked about earlier, kind of just getting them to follow up with, you know, the communication, which is writing it all down, you know, what happened on the job and making sure that it gets passed on through to the, from the, you know, the install to the salesperson and then, you know, following up and calling the customer back and making sure you cover these issues and things that might've happened. Just making sure that we have policies and procedures in place is what I found has been super important. That's kind of the backbone to this. And then kind of the, again, the glue that kind of holds it all together is having those meetings to make sure we're kind of reinforcing it, going over it. And it just is really, really helped a ton because I see it in the salespeople. I see it in the installers. They feel better about themselves and they do a better job. And we, we see immediate response, you know, out there that we're, we're doing better and we constantly keep striving to be better. And, and that meeting is the place where it really kind of puts it all together. The kind of the glue that holds it all together. Absolutely. I think what I've seen is that uh, if I was to, to go across our industry, I'd say the the number one issue that we have is lack of accountability. Just like you said, it's it's all over the place. And very often we're quick to blame that on the people that work for us. But my question is always back to the leader. Have you defined the expectation? Have you defined where you want to go? Because if you haven't done that, why on earth would you ever per- expect performance from anybody? Because they don't even know where they're going. And I think as a leader, this is where we have to slow down. We have to think about where do I want to go? How do I communicate that to a team member? 
and everything that you're talking about today with meetings is a, is a great place to start. Kevin, you have brought tremendous value to our audience. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity and good luck to everybody out there. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Kevin is doing so many things right. And you can tell from listening to him that there's something really special that's going on in his business. And and I think that there's a lot you can take away. For me, as, as I think about this conversation, there's really three things that, that come to mind right away. Like, Number one, when, when you start to run a cadence of meetings like this, you are able to solve problems permanently. I'm stealing that from my friend Grant, but, but, but truthfully, that, that is what meetings do. I mean, the question that we have is, do we want to keep stubbing our toe on the same thing over and over and over again, or do we want to knock it out so we never have to deal with that? I mean, I would much rather do the second one, even if it takes a little bit more work. And meetings is a way to do that. It, it, it brings things up that are, that are problems. You can start to say like, hey, the same thing is happening again and again and again. What are we going to do about it? And it doesn't mean that everything gets solved in the meeting, but, but this is how you know where the issues are that need to get taken care of. Number two is, in meetings like this, it allows you and your team to get above the problem and and really to think about it and look at it from a different angle. Kevin alluded to this throughout the conversation, but this is really important. No one makes good decisions when they're emotional and stressed. And so, I mean, think about your installers in the field. If if you think about a, a problem or if you discover a problem that they had and you call them up while they're in the middle of working on something... And you tell them, hey, I found this problem. Like, you can do this next time. Like, what, what are you going to do in this situation? I mean, they're not going to listen to you and, and, and take it into account. If you ask them for advice, like, they're in the middle of doing something. They're not thinking clearly. They're, they're thinking emotionally. They're tired. Meetings take you out of all that noise where you can actually start to think critically. And and this changes the way that you approach problems. And And most businesses in our industry, there, there's not enough time for team members to actually get out of the way of the business or the situation to think critically about it. And having meetings does that. Lastly, what this does for you as a leader is when you start to run meetings, this helps you share the load. When you run meetings, I mean, you might have a bunch of stress because you're putting out this fire and this fire and you're hopping on this grenade and all, but who else on your team is? It escalates to you. So you're doing everything. That's not fair. And that doesn't teach people to solve problems permanently. Having meetings and bringing this stuff up, it, it, it helps share the load. Like when you bring this stuff up in a meeting and you say, okay, who's going to do something about this? Like it's not just going to be you as the owner. Team members are going to step up and take charge and take responsibility. And this is how you start to build a business that's bigger than yourself by having some communication cadence. And I, I just, I love Kevin's analogy of like playing basketball. The difference between when you're on a timeout and, you, and everyone's huddled up and you can, you can chart your game plan versus when you're on the court dribbling and just trying to scream at someone to set a screen or to, or to block out that defender. Like Those are two totally different situations and most businesses operate like they're just screaming at each other on the field and, and you're never going to be effective in, in really game planning if that's the only time that you have available. I, I think as a leader, it, it's intimidating to start. It can be really scary. And, and I would just encourage you like, just start with 30 minutes a week. I mean, that's not a lot of time. Take take 30 minutes and and maybe it's just a company meeting where you're going to just start to talk about where you are now compared to where you were last year. You're going to highlight some wins that the team has had or, or some losses that you need to get better and learn from. But 
you've got to start somewhere. And I would just recommend starting small because this will build momentum. And and over time, you're going to find that you can actually start to get people reporting to you about how the meetings went. And you can actually start to run and, and drive your business and steer it like it's a car or a truck because of what you're hearing about in the reports from the meetings with your team members. And this is just really cool. It's fun to see this happen because this is where the transition is from a treadmill operator that the business only works when you run to someone that's a trailblazer, that's doing it differently, that's getting above it and creating a legacy. So I hope you took a lot away from this conversation. I was really excited about it. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website, patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash it's fire time. We are so thankful to all the contributors that are supporting this month to month. The revenue that we get is used 100% to outsource the administrative duties of this podcast just so that we can keep the level of content as high as possible and make sure that this is always bringing you value. In particular, I want to give a shout out to Napoleon. You know, their contributions as a manufacturer to this are, are so generous and it's it's cool to see a manufacturer that that is looking out for the, the good of the holistic industry. And, you know, we really appreciate just, just your support of this podcast. So with all that said, going out of here, I, I hope that you actually script out what am I going to dedicate towards having a regular meeting? You know, document something on paper right now. Go and tell somebody. Hold yourself accountable to make it happen because starting to run with a cadence of meetings will change your business. And so I hope this has given you value. I can't tell you just how appreciative I am of, of every single one of you that, that listens. I, I do not take it lightly. And, and the fact that we get to put this podcast together and just see it help and grow your businesses is, is a, a gift to me. So thank you for listening. And I can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.